0: Welcome
1: to i4o. Welcome back to episode forty-one of i4o. It is Sunday, March fourth. What's going on, guys? I'm joined Kyle, Jeff, and Ryan. How's it going? Woo! I'm a, little, a little tired working on my first coffee, so that the best. Good here. to be back, boys. Feels good to be back. Sunday, 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 Sunday. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, we have uh, a lot to talk about today. We have some follow-up from the previous episode on Urban's, uh little PSA. Um, you've got some news from Amazon, some information on YouTube Stories, some more follow-up from Net Neutrality, and some fun little bits at the end, uh, some extra stuff to talk about. And I think also today we have an i4o Explains, so... Look forward to that as well later this week. So, but to jump straight in, um, I just wanted to say something about the Have I Been Pwned website that Irvin talked about on the last episode. Um, you actually can torrent their password list. Um, and if you do that, feel free to seed it and leave it seeding for however long you want because um, that actually helps out with that website's bandwidth. So, It's just a nice little way to give back to a website that's providing a a valuable service to, to basically everybody for no cost. So feel free to use, it's just another positive use for something that's typically held in a negative light torrent clients. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up before we jumped into the, the meat of today's show. Yeah. Good point. mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm torrenting it as well. So I I will be seeding. So part of, the bandwidth will be supported by me. So good work to the people who have done that through Have I Been Pwned. But um, yeah, to jump straight into the first topic, um, the people over at Shark Tank are kicking themselves and really starting to eat their shoes because of this, because uh, Amazon just bought Ring for about a billion dollars. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when Ring was on Shark Tank at all. Um, They were valued at around $7 million (laughs) and (laughs) nobody bought them and no one invested. They actually were one of the ones that were turned down and now they just sold for a billion dollars. So you can only imagine what it feels like to be one of them seeing this deal, waking up to this article in the morning. Um, But yeah, this is huge for Amazon. This is them kind of stepping into a little bit more of a smart home kind of technology outside of what, um alexa and all of the various uh, amazon home devices can support um i'm curious to hear what you guys think of this and what kind of direction this could mean for amazon Um, anything else i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because this is a big purchase
2: oh man i have a bunch of thoughts personally uh mostly speculating about what this means for amazon's future uh you know it's rings uh mission statement so to speak is uh uh, reducing crime and also allowing like this device to be used for home security and uh you know as as like a doorbell too but with amazon's delivery services um and their acquisition of whole foods uh i could see kind of a future that i joked with you guys about about them coming with the delivery truck and You know, they ring, your ring device and you let them in, they stock your fridge with your groceries or, uh, (laughs) install your electronic device that you ordered online for you. Um, I think it's, yeah, I
1: could see them tying that in with their delivery services.
2: Yeah. Um, again, speculation and kind of creepy, but
1: yeah. Then again, what is the smart home? If not creepy. So (laughs) (laughs) true that it's basically just hooking up a bunch of cameras and microphones in your house, but, um, yeah, so it's they were um, actually, in, according to this article, they're going to be beginning expanding the ring into integrate with home surveillance features into its Echo line. So I'm assuming through the Echo show, you'll be able to use this as a as a video cam to your front door. Um, and they're also responding to its users on the Twitter page after uh, noting that they're going to be adding HomeKit support as well, which is nice for anybody with a HomePod. Um, so it's an it's an exciting piece of news coming out of Amazon, showing that they're just buying more services and products and expanding into more and more markets.
2: Do any of you guys yeah. have have one of these, a smart doorbell like this?
1: I got one for a family member as a Christmas gift, but um, there I've seen them all over the place in the city, but I don't have one myself.
2: Yeah, I, have I a, will be getting one. I've I've a good friend who has one and he loves it. Yeah, I always make faces when I ring the doorbell.
3: You know? Didn't uh, did Amazon recently buy an, another doorbell company? And do you know if that's going to have any effect on this um, purchase? I
1: mean, like, what they're doing with that company? And it was what a uh, Blink. I don't know. I'm not sure if they did buy. I I don't know anything about that purchase. But well, um, oh, no, I know oh,
3: you know, yeah, right at the right at the
1: bottom of the article here. Huh? they had purchased Blink about three months ago. Hmm. Maybe it's part of a like like we, me and Jeff were saying earlier in the episode. It's part of like a larger integration. Um, and centralization of purchases into like things around delivery. like if if Amazon owns all of the smart doorbells, um, then they'll be able to have similar functionality spread across all of them, I, I would guess. But I didn't know about the blink purchase, I guess that's what I guess. Yeah, We're not reading the last sentence of the article. <laughs> <laughs> it's odd because it it looks like I mean, it I shouldn't say odd.
3: Um, and maybe you guys have a better insight into this than I do. But the um, it seems like with a lot of their purchases, and in those two cases in particular, the Blink and um, this now Ring purchase, they're keeping the the business separate. So they're not fully integrating them into the Amazon business model, mm-hmm. but they still own them. They still fall under the umbrella, but they're letting their power structure stay in place and let them run the company the way that they did before, just right. now under their umbrella. So it's, I'm curious to see what kind of effect that's going to have, if that allows them to... like integrate into more systems. So like you can keep, if you had blink and it was working with your Google home before then great. You can keep doing that. But now we guarantee that every single one has Alexa integration and we can, we can move forward that way. I don't know what that means exactly, but kind of like expanding their market share without having to make it exclusive,
1: I guess is kind of how it works. I I, I don't know. But I think that, I think with that, they may be taking more of like an alphabet approach, like how Google did that a couple of years ago to kind of take a step back and have all of their um, smaller projects under the alphabet umbrella, but not under Google. Yeah, it could um, be that. And they just kind of sit there and provide funding and um, make sure that this product or service is viable for the company and they can just cut it off at the head if for whatever reason it doesn't become profitable. Because we've seen that from Google over the past couple of years. So, And since I'm sure that's Amazon's biggest competitor right now besides Walmart, um, they would be, Quick to adopt a similar business model, um, eating up as much of the smart home technology as possible before Google completely takes over.
0: I, I do want to say that I mean it's probably interesting. I want to know what they're actually collecting on the back end from these two companies. I mean, I know, like Kyle said, they're keeping the infrastructure intact, but I'm am assuming somehow they're collecting, you know, their mass data and surveillance. Because, oh, sure. Yeah, because Amazon. I mean has been known to lose hundreds of millions of dollars to scammers every year. you get you get people who, who steal boxes off at the doorsteps. you get all sorts of stuff. They must eat like a significant cost each year in scams and and fake uh, fraudulent uh, claims that that items weren't delivered right? Um, so it's also you know, maybe it's just an additional benefit that it's it's gonna be cost effective for them in terms of scams and stuff like that. Um, but it's just interesting to see that they bought that blink as well as ring
1: because
0: mm. it seems like there's going to be a trend. Maybe they'll, they'll try to buy all smart doorbells just to have home surveillance on package delivery.
1: Yeah. And, and a few episodes ago, we talked about the, um, the thing that you can have like the smart lock for Amazon, where, um, you can let a delivery person into your house to drop off a package inside instead of outside. And I wonder if, um, they would integrate that service with say the ring video doorbell or blink. So that way, um, you could integrate one service as like a second factor of authentication. Like the Amazon employee or delivery man would scan a barcode, which would validate that this is the correct person, and then they would have to enter the PIN to get in or something like that. Like adding an extra yeah. layer of
3: security. Yeah, I think
1: I think that's more likely than than it reaching out to you every
3: time. Or maybe they have both options where it sends a notification to your phone. If you can't get to it, then they, then they have, like you said, two levels of security where. I scan my ID that has a barcode in it. Amazon knows that I'm an Amazon driver and I type in a pin that I have for this neighborhood and boom, or for this route and boom,
1: and I'm good. Yeah. And I could even see them doing like a QR thing. Because once you get a camera, it's not hard to integrate any kind of QR technology into that. Yeah.
3: And I could see it even being like, you have X amount of seconds where like, if you haven't left the house and relocked it with your code, then it Mm -hmm. sends a notice, you know, something like that. You could see it going even as far as that. Right. Yeah.
2: And just a peace of mind if someone enters that pin or scans that barcode and you give them permission you can actually see who it is just for your own yeah
1: yeah you can get like a a user card or a profile page on the person you just let in yeah
3: so even though you didn't get to the notification like telling you to answer live because you're at work or whatever It could send that person's profile to you, so you have it in case something is wrong. You can share that information with Amazon, whoever it is. I wonder if they're gonna
2: have driver ratings or delivery man ratings. Yeah, give them five stars and a tip. Jeff Bezos,
1: I hope you're listening. By
3: the way, go straight uh straight Black Mirror with the rating
2: system. Yeah.
1: Oh man, don't
2: go (laughs) there. Can I tell
1: you that I had that happen to me in an Uber? um like the I had, a, I had a real black mirror moment on Uber um I was like riding back with some friends and the and like the, I and the had hailed the Uber and the driver was like oh you're a 4.93 he's like oh you must have impressed some people and I was like oh my god what's happening and he's like, <laughs> someone else in the back was like oh how do you check your reviews and you know, he they, they were like a 4.8 or something like that and they were like oh man you must have pissed somebody off it's like this guy over here is and I got I had a moment where I was like, it's happening. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> is really happening. It makes I'm you four point
2: seven five. What did I do?
1: I don't know. What <laughs> who
2: rated you less than a five and why?
1: Right, yeah. I wish you could see um those reviews like see the reasons so that way like but like you can't reply to them but you could just see what your review was yeah i'd get so a little
2: could... black mirror there too where you'd go yeah. after a person and say why didn't you give me a five <laughs> <laughs> you know
1: maybe it's maybe it's a non it
3: shows like a great out person but here's the reason why you got a low rating you know one of those mm-hmm. like so i know what i'm doing wrong might have been there may have been alcohol involved in that review so i try i, I, I try friendly. maybe i've maybe i'm talking too much to people you know maybe they're like shut up guy
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know some people like to ride in Ubers and stay quiet, but oh well, but you know who isn't going to be riding an Amazon's Uber anymore? Uh, (laughs) Nest. (laughs) Google is no longer or Amazon is no longer going to be selling Nest products on Amazon. So looks like Google and Amazon's war on each other's services has taken yet another step. Um, And if I, I wouldn't be surprised if this comes at the same announcement as Amazon purchasing ring. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all because um doesn't Nest have a doorbell? Um, a smart doorbell as well? Is that their their Nest Hello product, I think is what that is. Um but I mean regardless, it's something that um that Amazon is taking off of their website and it looks like that the war against Google has hit a new front with taking more services off their page. Because I know, like, we've seen in the past, um, if you were to Google or search on Amazon for a Chromecast, it would link you to the Fire Stick. Or if you had done, like, uh, the Google Home, it would link you to, like, the Echo or something like that. So um, apparently that decision to remove them came from the top. So this is... Just another example of Amazon consolidating and trying to eliminate com- com- competition from their website. So,
2: yeah, but it does look and, like uh, there's still the possibility of third party retailers selling Nest products in the future. It's not really decided yeah. yet whether or not that'll be possible.
1: Yeah, maybe you just won't see them supported by like Prime shipping or like fulfilled by Amazon right. or something like that. Yeah, because there is a wide selection of third party stuff available for Amazon. So but it's um, it's a big implication that they're doing this because it does say that Amazon is taking a stance to compete directly with Google. And and we're seeing that, obviously, with the Echo and the home. But now I wonder if Google is going to go all in with Walmart because I know they already have integrations. So I'm wondering if we're seeing the lines being drawn right now. You know seems like it yeah so i mean yeah they even mentioned in this article that they announced in february that it would also buy ring this is amazon um so i mean this is it's seeming like this is going to be directly in competition but yeah so
2: fun stuff yeah the beef (laughs) continues they yeah. have um just be, for
3: people who are unfamiliar with Nest they have they're all home stuff it's cameras doorbells thermostats i think thermostats may have been how they started actually uh alarm yeah. systems smoke and co alarms uh it's a lot of a lot of uh, a, uh i mean basically cover a lot of coverage for the entire home and mm-hmm. uh no longer being supported by like the biggest place that they were so
1: yeah, I think that the, to go off that, I think that their their first two offerings was the smoke detector and the thermostat. So, because so I've seen them around, and then they shortly after that announced the webcam or the Nest um, IP camera. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, anxiously anticipating these uh, Google versus Amazon rap battles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Can't wait for Vested Bezos to start dropping heat. <laughs> 16
1: bars son. Bezos versus Pichai. <laughs> Who will win? Oh man, that rap battle will be great. I'd pay I'd pay good money to watch that. Or maybe someone at, like... at
3: least should make an epic rap battle on YouTube of it. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I think they, they should have like a a robot battle. Yeah. Giant right, robots Google. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we want to rehash that, but we've been there and it didn't end too well. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And for anybody who's not familiar with the the giant robot fight that we're talking about, um, a couple of, um, I think it's just machining companies, just metalworks companies, made two giant robots, one from the U.S. and one from Japan. And they live streamed a fight between, or not live stream, but they streamed video of a fight that was pre-recorded the day before but they hyped it up all the way up until that day as being a fight to be live streamed um between two countries and it was it turned out to be one of the most painfully awkward and scripted things that I've probably ever seen yeah, on twitch pretty bad <laughs> it was so bad um but yeah, so and anybody who wants to watch that, please go watch it and um, immediately regret that decision but uh, you know um we were talking about the third-party retailers of Amazon selling um, selling the Google products. But one thing that people have been running into is some issues with counterfeit products from third-party retailers. And this actually um, comes at the heels of the founder of Elevation Lab um, kind of digging into Amazon for the counterfeiting and distribution of one of their under-the-desk headphone mounts, which is called the Anchor. Um, So a Chinese retailer um, basically just straight up copied this idea and it even came to them actually photocopying the original box art or the original cover information of it and just replacing the skew with an image of their own on top of it, Um, which to a consumer would not be necessarily very easy to spot. Right. Um, and we've seen stuff like this before. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the video that was going viral last week about the guy who shipped out his camera, or he ordered a Nikon camera, I think, from Amazon. And the first time he ordered it, he received, uh, I think it was rocks. And then he returned it. And then he, they sent him another one, and in the second box was bricks. <laughs> there you go. So, Amazon's I mean, bricks gonna- are
3: worth more than rocks. So, at least he's, you know, he's getting his value it's- up. Yeah, true yeah that
0: i'm just thinking of the charlie brown uh halloween special but uh <laughs> all he got was a rock but um <laughs> why would you go back to the same vendor twice
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i don't know it just seems like a recipe for disaster
1: yeah i don't know but um and also we had a a topic that we had covered um back when we were doing kind of our our like second half rants um a few episodes back and i mentioned a couple of the services that you can use to actually kind of snuff out these fake reviews and there are services that um have bots or use um, ai or programming in order to try to identify counterfeit and fake retailers i think one of them was review meta Um, and if they can do it amazon certainly can and this they they compare this to basically a -a whack-a-mole type issue where it they uh, take it down as problems surface and as these companies see it. But it is something that I feel could be very easy to resolve on Amazon's side. Um, And I think it's a matter of, they didn't need to worry about it because it wasn't a problem until recently or it hasn't become a noticeable issue. But um, this company, uh, Elevation Labs, seems to be getting a lot of attention in criticizing Amazon on their lack of action. So, I don't know, this is just another, and this this kind of stuff is hard, too. Like, it's almost in the same, like, the same net as security, where a lot of times you can't necessarily take it down unless you see examples of it first. And it's kind of a, kind of a reactionary and like a reactive and not a proactive approach to ending this, but.
2: Right, I can, I can, I can. I could see why they'd get upset if there's a lack of a reaction but in in like spotting it ahead of time I think it'd be kind of hard to do you get into like intellectual property laws there and I don't know how that works when it's different countries um, selling the different products but I don't see what to stop you know posting on Amazon not necessarily as the same company but maybe as like a private seller repeatedly from different um, origins because how do you really stop that until it happens in the first place and you see bad reviews or you know return products
0: it's, it seems like amazon needs to recruit people from, from the security teams of uh twitter and instagram because they can verify accounts it should be a verification process to just to be a vendor on amazon
1: yeah they um they actually proposed um a solution for this to fight counterfeiters um they said amazon could do something very simple to fight counterfeiters but it isn't and the quote is if you have a registered brand in the brand registry and don't sell the product wholesale there could be a box to check for that and anyone who and anyone else would have to get a high approval or high vetting to sell that product so if you're selling it to just the amazon brand registry at wholesale and anybody else decides to sell the same thing at wholesale then it could be very easy to spot a fake in that way. Yeah. Um, and this I don't know if this would be an issue of Amazon not being properly staffed to handle this type of high volume of stuff because there are millions and millions of products on Amazon that are being sold every day. So,
0: wait, aren't they uh, opening up a new headquarters with 50,000 jobs somewhere? They are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's maybe it's all the brand registry team. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just 50,000. We're good. <laughs> that's their way of solving it but um, I mean and and I've seen stuff like that before I don't know if you guys have seen it on Amazon but like there's some stuff that looks just blatantly fake from third party retailers whether it's prime eligible or not and I've even seen some sketchy stuff that is prime eligible whoa you telling me those Oakleys aren't real (laughs) (laughs) wait you mean those $50 Ray-Bans aren't real (laughs) 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 but like yeah they they said um, I'm actually trying to find yeah, they literally reverse engineered it. They made steel compression molds, made the logo wrong. They used fake 3M adhesive. It's very thin and was die cut smaller at the top. Uh, they used a longer durometer silicon, so it flexes more um, very large mold parting lines. So it's not a clean looking product at all. Yeah. The packaging is literally photocopied, then reprinted. Um, and then they had to apply a large sticker to cover their skew with the fake skew or the new skew um, they said, but to the untrained eye that it could pass. So,
2: I mean, I'm sure they're trying to make as large of a profit margin as they can. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that they'd cut corners big time.
1: Yeah. So if, if you happen to be victim of one of these counterfeit or very cheaply made third-party products, um, and it kind of comes down to you get what you pay for, but be sure to if you think that this is a counterfeit where you can spot a blatantly false piece of packaging and you see an identical product on amazon use one of those third-party services like review meta um or just even doing basic research or investigating the packaging or the manufacturing and leave a negative review try to help out other people what
2: about for, from the company standpoint though what about for the consumers who don't care like to put it frankly What what if they want the knockoff product because it's cheaper you know it's yeah. for, for the, I mean, Amazon's statement here on this is, you know, you can register with their brand registry service to protect your brand. And um, that they have a lot of people, including software engineers, research scientists, program managers, and investigators to make sure that counterfeiting isn't happening that often. But it kind of seems like this statement is saying that they're doing what they're not. So I kind of, yeah. I feel bad for the the companies here who are suffering.
1: Yeah, I mean, to go off of what you were saying, like, Uh, For the people who don't care, I mean, it really is a matter of you get what you pay for, because at least in this, um, they were saying that it has huge mold parting lines, which is those little lines that go down the middle of the product, and it's like very poorly shaved down or trimmed, um, which indicates a very cheaply made product, which may break on you. And using fake 3M adhesive, um, you're going to have a more, a, a less... It'll be more person by person and less a consistent product experience across the whole line. So maybe more of like a mileage may vary type thing where like one person's headphones snapped off their desk and fell and left a huge gash where the adhesive tore off part of the desk or something like that. I mean, it's you're always going to get those people who don't care. Like there was, um, there was actually an article that I was going to put in the show notes, but it didn't make it in about Spotify, how Google Play took down. It's called, um, I think it's Spotify Dog Food or something like that. It was a, a third-party Spotify app that let users circumvent um, their ads. So it basically gave you Spotify Premium without having to pay for Spotify Premium. And uh, YouTube and Google uh, shut down that service, or Spotify had that service shut down so and taken from the store. So, I mean, through these third-party experiences, like, you're always going to get people who don't care and want the cheaper or like, third-party solution. But um, Amazon can do more to stop it, I think. Right. Yeah. Did but, you see the yeah. in the article
3: the shot that Hopkins took it at Amazon? Yeah. And at Bezos? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: saw that. It was day, day two activity? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. And um, he was saying that uh, – yeah, he was saying day two – to reference what people may not know about day two for what you just said, Kyle in a letter to shareholders, Bezos wrote day two is stasis followed by irrelevance followed by excruciating painful decline followed by death and that is why it is always day one so that's what you, that's what he meant by, yeah it's always day two or this is day two activity so and he also started it with- with
3: if you're reading this come on and i immediately thought of drake if you're reading this it's too late i was like (laughs) Dang,
1: this is this really is getting to rap battle levels like we just talked (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to be sundar pichai it's going to be the ceo of elevation lab (laughs) (laughs) i would watch that i think we all would
3: we need yes. to get these tech rap battles going, boys. Yeah, and get those you know on YouTube. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> you beat know you to
1: it. Yep. <laughs> I was like, and you know how they can host that rap battle service? They can use um, the new YouTube Stories feature um, and change the background and put themselves in the same area when they rap battle through these thirty-second videos. So it was probably much weaker than your segue, Jeff. But a little bit. Um, there's a so for anybody who doesn't know youtube stories is youtube getting into the the same stories thing that we've seen in years past where snapchat started it and then facebook adopted it and then messenger got it and then instagram got it there's some dating apps that have it now Um, and now youtube is jumping into um, this whole stories movement where you can post quick videos as like a a PSA to to the people who subscribe to your content. And uh, the service isn't available from any of the research that I could find yet. Uh, It's a service called YouTube Reels for anybody who is interested in looking into it. And I think you need to be a part of the Creator Studio beta program in order to actually access this feature, which gives you... It's in the same light as some of you have probably seen your subscribers um, leaving... Actually, like writing messages out instead of publishing a video or like putting a GIF in YouTube um, It's in that light where they have the option to do text GIF or now this 32nd video which you can link other videos to or um, Post as like a, a PSA and there have been some youtubers who have been experimenting with the feature I know I think I just Dean is one of them who's had some of this um, I I wouldn't be surprised if some of the tech YouTubers also have this as well, but, um, they, to get into what this article is about, they added in a new feature, um, the team working on YouTube stories, which lets you swap out your background. So this is a very similar piece of functionality to Snapchat's like faces and the filters for Instagram, but this is using 100% AI, which is kind of cool. Um, So it's going to be able to identify a foreground, like a person, and a background, and be able to separate the two and kind of put you in a different area. So when Elevation Labs and um, Amazon get into this rap battle, they can both do it under a starry moonlit night or against a whitewashed background.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and kind of to comment on both of these at once, uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised at how late to the game YouTube is with this uh, reels, the story kind of uh, functionality. Because it seems like common sense sort of for YouTube. Instead of working up this kind of premeditated and edited post, you can just do now a story. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the, whether these are temporary or whether they stay on the channel for like permanently, like for example, Snapchat, when you post on your story, I think it goes away in like a week or something like that. but it seems like YouTube is pretty late on this. Um, and, and there's as basic of a reaction as thumbs up or thumbs down reactions from um, you know the community. So it doesn't seem very complicated. Um, and kind of going off the same stream with the um, flopping out of the background, <laughs> their technology is based on recognizing uh, the common features of a head and shoulders to do this. Um, Swapping out the background and using AI is obviously a more complex kind of field, but recognizing a shoulder and heads uh, seems pretty intuitive. So,
1: yeah, no, I'm seriously impressed with that because, um, and I'd also I would like to see um, how this works against a moving background. Say, if there's like, if you're in like a cafe and there's people walking around behind you or something, or Uh, If you're, like, outside and, like, a car goes past or a person walks by kind of close to you. Like, I want to see the results like that. But um, they were saying that the segmentation that runs is more than accurate enough to be used in video, which is 40 frames per second on the Pixel 2, and it gets over 100 frames per second on the iPhone 7. Wow. So I'm I'm wondering if
0: this is supposed to be for future generation phones because of that. I only see the specs for phones that have built-in AI chips.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that this could take advantage of the iPhone's connections to the camera um, and all of the APIs that allow the apps to access the camera, kind of in the same way that Snapchat on iOS was originally um, the best way to experience Snapchat, just because it had full access to the camera. And yeah. Pixel 2 with the um, visual core chip that allows third-party apps to access the camera as well. So that does make sense. And it probably is a hardware limitation for a lot of today's smartphones. I wonder if the new Samsung phone is going to have something to allow it to interface like this um, with Snapchat or with with, uh, this new YouTube Stories feature. That was
0: probably a stupid question, but I've I've been keeping up on the S9 news. Does it have a built-in AI chip?
1: I don't know. If you you count the Bixby button as an AI chip, then I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Then yes, definitely it does.
3: I I haven't looked up too much on that phone, but they don't let – Samsung doesn't seem to let people pass them with technology
1: for too long. So I would imagine you'll you'll get a lot of things that you would expect out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. And Ryan, I'd imagine just to kind of keep going off on this tangent that you'd be pretty impressed with the new S9 because it's the only smartphone that has a variable aperture. Oh, yeah, it's camera. <laughs> we were talking about
2: that a bit last week. Oh, I think. Fancy. Yeah. you fancy.
1: It lets you jump between an F1.5 and an F2.4 aperture with the flip of a button.
0: Yeah, 1. so if I was pretty good for a mobile phone.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I'd be so. I'd be shocked if Samsung missed a boat on this. I think that would yeah. be a huge marketing fail. Yeah, I engineering think so. fail. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think you can pretty much expect it.
1: You'll just see them release their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just release their own stories bixby tube <laughs> one thing that bothers me about samsung is they treat smartphone features or they treat software feet like software add-ons and apps as features of the smartphone it's like oh we got an ai oh yeah we got that it's like oh do you have an email app oh yeah we have that oh you have an app store oh we got another one like they just kind of like tick these boxes when um they should be working on integrating with yeah. the existing stuff and making it better but that's that's a, a rant for a different day <laughs> so but yeah but i do uh, want to the... hear that rant oh it'll it's it's coming <laughs> i'll get the rant ready <laughs> all right guys before we jump
3: into the next topic um i have a feeling it's going to run long i gotta get out of here to everybody listening thank you for having me for the first half and i'll try and be back more often fellas enjoy the enjoy the rest of the show and the i4o explains without me
1: it's hey, good having you. I will miss you all. <laughs> see you guys. See you, Kyle. See you. Okay, so was... with that, let's segue into net neutrality. <laughs> Woohoo! hoo <laughs> um, So we have some actually good news from net neutrality uh, for a first. <laughs> um, you have two new states that are joining California, Montana, and New York, I think, was the third state. Yep. Um, yeah, so... We're working, we're going to keep a running tally of these states as they go. Um, But yeah, they are passing bills um, to go towards state enforced net neutrality, which is fantastic. I think that's good because you have these high market states like New York, California, and Washington that are saying basically you're not able to do business in here unless you follow net neutrality, which hopefully would be more of like a global it would have more not, not global more of like a, a countrywide
2: national effect. some would say
1: national yeah <laughs> because you have the you have the fcc saying that basically any of this is not very like they can circumvent and override the legality of state issued net neutrality laws but um, the quote that comes from the washington state representative johansen is probably the greatest thing i've read um, as to like and, and it, like it, the fact that it's a direct quote towards the FCC makes this so much better. Um, he says, just because the FCC claims it has the power to preempt state laws doesn't mean that it actually does. And then he said, "I can claim that I have the power to manifest unicorns on the Washington State Capitol lawn. But if you look outside right now, there are no unicorns. <laughs> 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 so, um, And Washington's actually, I think, is a little bit more exciting than all of these other ones. It's the most aggressive one that we've seen so far. So their law applies to all ISPs that serve residents, whether or not they have state deals. So uh, the other ones would probably apply more towards businesses and people who have uh, worked out contracts like Netflix and services that provide actual, that need bandwidth in order to operate under an ISP. But this one is going to be all internet service offered in Washington, having to be free from blocking or throttling of legal online content. And nor would it be subjected to a system of premium priced fast lanes that offer better bandwidth to provide content providers that pay extra for that privilege. So that is, an that's great. And that passed, let me see it cleared the state senate on a 35 to 14 vote and then it went through the house of representatives on a 93 to 5 vote so uh, and the the governor has already been on the record saying he's ready to sign it so it's looking like this is going to be ushered into state law very quickly and i wonder if we're going to see something from like the supreme court from the fcc
2: on this he might and it, it it also shows you know a 93 to 5 vote shows that both sides of the the aisle are voting in favor of this yeah. bill which is yeah.
1: promising um yeah that's the big part of this it's bipartisan right um,
0: it makes sense for small
1: business mm-hmm. and at the state level too it makes a lot of sense because you have they're they're the ones that are paying for this infrastructure to be mm-hmm. installed it's not necessarily being federally subsidized yeah. Unless it's being run across state lines, but most of the time the ISP would make a deal with the state in order to run lines. So that's it's good news, and it's good to see states taking this into their own hands. And I'd like, to, I'd like to believe that it's a result of
2: the people speaking too, because I I don't know about you guys, but I haven't heard really anybody say I'm in favor of you know repealing net neutrality. Mm-hmm. Besides Ajit Pai in the FCC yeah. and the NRA, possibly, um, yeah. But you know, it, it's it's good. I mean, you, we've commented before. Also, I'd like to add that New Jersey is one of the states that's uh, making motions like this. But it, it's refreshing to see states and that state's government, um, basically, what I see as working to do what the people are asking.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's cool. always nice to see the people being represented. That that raises
0: another question, though, with the SEC's threat. I mean, how would they enforce any of this? Like right. physically enforce it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the fact that they, like they, what they wouldn't be doing is enforcing it, as opposed right. to like they would just not enforce net neutrality anymore. So, and they're trying to make this at a uh, federal level, but mm. I don't think this is one of the fields that can fall into federal control. Because states have, they would have to overturn that states would have control of their own communications and infrastructure, which is, I think, I think that's too big of a problem for the federal government to handle. Yeah. Because I think that was federally controlled at one point, but the infrastructures of 50 individual states became way too much to micromanage. So they just left it up to the states to control. Yeah. Which
2: and yeah. in, and in terms of the kind of bipartisan thing we were commenting on, you know, on the the right wing, you have people who are in favor of a more decentralized government, and then on the you know left side of things, you have the people's rights and people's desires, kind of like that. Um, I, I can't think of the word for it, but basically, I don't I don't see this having representation on either side to move forward with what the FCC is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like the only people who are really trying to push this are the ones who are in the pocket of ISPs and um, lobbyists things of that nature. Um, Because I know we're seeing a big push from AT&T in order to begin rolling out fast lanes as soon as possible. And I guarantee you that's not going to have any kind of competition unless it's from the state. So at least until uh, we get this whole thing sorted out at the federal level. Because I know that um, they are proposing bills to sort of compromise with net neutrality with the fcc um because this does have to go through the house of representatives and the senate um, and be signed into law so we'll see um but i'm excited that um we can add this these states to the list and i think new jersey is officially on that list by the way jeff so yeah it is yeah so we have montana new york california new jersey now, Washington and Oregon, as right. well, and as a follow up on the Oregon bill, um it passed the House forty to seventeen this past Monday and is now going to um, is now making its way to the Senate
2: so and don't forget also there's that coalition that's been formed between i think it's like twenty two states and washington d c as well and um, you know filing legal challenges and trying to fight this. FCC motion as well so I think there's a lot more of this to come
1: yeah and we're gonna be reporting on this I think all the way up until April 23rd which is when the proposed FCC bill to repeal net neutrality is actually enacted so we still have a few months to um, discuss it and um, I, I think that we should put any fear of having this be preempted by the federal government to rest because the states seem to have this in their own hands and if anything, it's going to lead to a Supreme Court um, matchup, so we'll see how that goes. Supreme Court rap battle. Yeah, <laughs> this is just it, all. Everyone's just going to be rap battling by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, now I think we can get into like some of the fun stuff, just some some crazy things that happened uh, over the past week, and one of them came up a few days ago. Um, this is why uh, email and HTTPS certificates should not mix. So the CEO of a um, of a certificate distribution company, so when you go on a website and you see that green lock that says secure, uh, that's what we're referring to when we say an HTTPS certificate. Um, he emailed 23,000 private keys um, as proof that that they were um, that they were vulnerable. So um, this story is one of the most cavalier and ridiculous things I've probably ever seen. So they this goes back um, sent on Tuesday by the CEO of Trustico, a UK-based reseller of these TLS certificates. Um, they sent them to they sent this email to Jeremy Rowley, an executive vice president at DigiCert. Um, so this was this happened after um, uh, the Symantec certificate issues. Um, they were caught flouting binding industry rules prompting Google to distrust Symantec certificates in its Chrome browser. And I think we may have reported on that, where um, any certificate issued by Symantec um, was going to be revoked after a certain number of Chrome iterations because of Symantec's careless um, steps that they've taken to issuing properly valid and secure Certificates, um, but Trustico noted notified DigiCert that 50,000 semantic issued certificates that Trustico had resold should be mass revoked because of security concerns. And when Rally asked for the proof <laughs> these were compromised, the Trustico CEO emailed private keys of 23,000 certificates. So. Um, needless to say, uh, emailing, even just one private key, let alone 23,000, um, is typically not a good thing in terms of (laughs) a good security practice or, nor is it a good way to to show proof. It's like a put up or shut up type thing.
2: (laughs) I don't know if you, Um, I don't know if you caught the update on this either. It's pretty shocking. Um, so. Several hours after the post went live about this, uh, Trustico's website went offline after a web security expert posted a critical vulnerability on Twitter. And this is quoting the article. Um, The flaw in Trustico.com website feature allowed customers to confirm certificates were properly installed on their sites. It appeared to allow attackers to run malicious code on Trustico's servers with unfettered root privilege.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's that's pretty much as bad as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. so, and this is just um, more like hilarious and crazy news coming from Symantec's whole debacle that they had earlier this year. And um, a single point of failure is all it takes to create these types of compromises that endanger the entire system. But emailing 23,000 of them typically isn't a good look. So, <laughs> <laughs> just like one of those moments where you're like, really? Like, well, what are you doing that's like i get the same thing like the same type of gasp whenever someone like emails their password if they're having trouble accessing something yeah or like sending a text message that has like your social security number in it or whatever like meet up and talk about that in person this
2: this seems like a a definite hold my beer moment to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i would agree (laughs) <laughs> hold, hold my beer speaking of this. hold my beer <laughs> to close oh, out man. the show i think uh we have kind of a comical article here um which tells you which is a um kind of a, a cautionary tale not to drink an uber all the time um <laughs> so <laughs> this is a, a individual by the name of kenny bachman uh who was hanging out in west virginia and uh kind of in a a drinking stupor uh, ordered an Uber to his home in the New Jersey suburbs of Philadelphia, Philadelphia. (laughs) So he woke up several hours into this trip um, and kind of just decided, well, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but I'm already several hours into this trip. So I might as well ride it out. Um, What a good guy. (laughs) The guy accidentally ordered an Uber XL during surge pricing, which doubles the fare and had an over 300 mile Uber which cost him upwards of $1,600. Oh <laughs> so to our listeners out there, you might want to check twice before you set uh, where you're going and uh, maybe really uh, take your time when you're placing an Uber order. Yeah. Uh, this guy it pulls. <laughs> no pun intended. This guy kind of just wrote it out and uh, he gave the driver five stars and gave him cash to cover the tolls for his trip home. <laughs> but, oh, my God. I cannot even imagine having this happen.
1: Be sure to note the city and state that you're also going to whenever you get on your, whenever you type in the address of
0: your Uber ride. Oh, and also from, he was coming from, looks like West Virginia University. It's where Morgantown, West Virginia.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. I I wonder if Uber is maybe going to put something into their app here where it says, are you sure you want to take this trip? It's going to cost this much.
0: (laughs) Around college campuses,
1: maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. yeah they like he didn't even realize he was so drunk when he woke up he didn't even realize he was like he didn't know the guy who was driving him somewhere and he, he was like trying to figure out where he was he's like i just woke up i'm thinking like, why am i in a car next to this random guy i don't even know
2: I feel like this could have gone several <laughs> ways and it ended probably best for the driver <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> so driver, made some, yeah driver made some nice fun on that definitely Uber did too yeah definitely I think the drivers make like less than 50% of what the fare is so
1: yeah hey man he came out on top
2: definitely nice. that's a nice paycheck for a drive.
1: yeah it is it's a very nice paycheck I wonder
2: what kind of uh, ethics are in place there for the driver who sees this 300 mile journey the guy had to be like hammered
1: getting in the car it's just like alright we're gonna do this
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah right imagine he was like are you sure we're going to philly and the guy was probably just like Oh like real <laughs> drunk and just like yelling he's like all right we're going all right this is happening Confirmed. <laughs> it's a five-hour trip about,
2: about 10 more minutes of this and i'm gonna say something <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, god so but i wanted to end yeah. the show on a light a kind of a light note there
1: that's a good way to end it yeah Some good news about net neutrality um An example of what not to do in an Uber, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, um, we have later this week, we have another I4O explains coming up for you guys. Um, just to give you a sneak preview of what we're going to be discussing, it is going to the topic of this week's show is going to be virtual private networks, otherwise known as VPNs. Uh, what to do what not to do etc so look forward to that Um, for anybody who wants to know more about that type of a service and what it does um, we're going to be going in depth and and offering a lot of information about that so look forward this wednesday but um, as for this week uh, this is the end of episode 41 and um, if you like what you heard, if you wanted to hear more or reach out to us and get some more follow up on any of these articles or topics, feel free to reach out to any one of us on Twitter, as well as our main channels. So you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, or Google Play and iTunes at Industry 4.0. Uh, Stitcher is I4, I4O. i um, You can find us on Twitch. On Facebook and Twitter, where you can directly contact us at Industry4O all spelled out, and we're generally pretty quick to respond to any people. On been a little bit slow lately, but it is what it is. But um, we are our home base is Industry4O all spelled out. Podbean. Com, where you can find all of our content and our RSS feeds, Um, and also we've been available on a random conglomeration of various podcatcher services and smaller podcasting apps. Um, so that's where you can find us. And like I said, if you feel free to leave us, if you want, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, it helps us do what we're doing and it gives us some more guidance on what we can be doing better or what we should be doing. Um, any any kind of review is is constructive and we do like reading them and it helps us and it improves the quality of the show for you guys. So. More power to you. Power to the people. Um, this is a bipartisan podcast. Righteous. <laughs> yeah, we only have validated rap battles here. <laughs> but, um, but as for the individual works, um, all music, all episode music is produced by none and only Jeff. At you can find him at SoundCloud.com/slash/TheJbones. Um, he does have a new song um, that I think you're wanted to debut. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but. It's really good. I like it (laughs) Thanks,
2: man. Uh, I have a new song. I titled it uh, Ascent. That's A-S-C-E-N-T. It's kind of like a lighthearted and floaty, uh, good mood, chill song. Um, And I just put that up today, actually. Um, So I would really appreciate it if people would check that out and maybe give me some feedback. Um, But yeah, trying to get some new music out there and excited to do so.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so Ryan, I know you have some stuff too. Um, and we can find your stuff on Flickr.com slash photos slash Yes. Um, sir. Your Instagram being WayneRyan21. You post some <laughs> great content there. So right. I encourage anybody who right. wants some awesome photos of Philadelphia or the skyline to go check him out over at WayneRyan21. <laughs> um, and uh, since he's not here, I'm going to shout him out um Irvin also does photography uh most of the time you, i think you guys have even done some pretty cool collabs as well absolutely looking forward out. to the next one with yeah. all you guys um Irvin.lucas, you can find him on instagram as well um but yeah um i think that's episode 41 that's everything it is so yeah <laughs> so thanks for listening guys and uh we'll look forward to seeing you in the next one